You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. It's all good. As Alonzo from Training Day would tell you, I'm winning anyway. I'm winning anyway. It's all good. Now, in that particular instance, if you know that particular movie, it wasn't all good for him. But if you're a believer in the body of Christ, you can say it's all good. No matter what's happening, I'm winning anyway. Amen? I'm winning anyway. You got to be excited about that because it's true. It's all good. And the reason it's all good is because God is good. Y'all are not excited enough. I have a 32, 35 minute version of this message. I also have a two hour and 15 minute version. And if you all do not come with me right now, we will be here all day. Now who wants that? Not me, but God is good. But before we talk about the goodness of God, we have spent the last several weeks talking about the greatness of God. God is great and greatly to be praised. And I just wanted to graphically show you if it's available and we'll, we'll put it up uh, just to review for you the greatness of God. Oops, I forgot to start this timer. The greatness of God. Amen. We talked about the eternity of God. We went over 12 attributes of God. Not that there it was an uh, exemplary list, not an exhaustive list, but the eternity of God. God is eternal. Amen. It's the first thing that we discussed. The second thing we talked about is the personality of God. God is a He's a what? He's a person. Amen? So again, not a thing, not a machine, not a force. God is a literal person. And then we, we reminded ourselves about the spirituality of God. God is a spirit. Amen? And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Come on, somebody. Amen. Then we talked about the vitality of God. I'm assuming this list will go up at some point. Amen. The vitality of God is a, is a reminder that God is alive. Amen. God is alive. He's not dead. I feel him all over me. Then we talked about the immutability of God. God does not change. Amen. What a comfort to know that when you move in the direction of where your Savior is, you know that his standards don't change and his person doesn't change and what he requires does not change. Everything about God is, is, is fixed and is fixed in perfection. Amen. God does not change. Then we talked about the infinity of God. God has no what? No limits. There's no limitation that you can be put that you can put on God and be describing the God that exists. Amen. Because our God, the God that we serve, has no limits. And then we got excited, I believe, about the activity of God. That means that God is involved. That we spoke about his eminence. God is involved. He, he cares about his creation 
creation and he does what he he does because he is involved and then we talked about the deity of God God is distinct and so as, as much as he is transcendent he uh, excuse me he is imminent he is also what we describe as transcendent he is distinct from his creation as well because he stands outside of creation because he created all amen then we talked about the plurality of God God is three in one try to ignore it and you'll lose your soul but try to solve for it and you'll lose your mind amen <laughs> you just have to accept it that that's something that is beyond us to understand the, the plurality of God that one plus one plus one and the divine mathematics of God equals one amen and then we got to that 10th attribute God is holy we were talking about the purity of God the purity of God and then we talked about the capacity of God oh here we go we're hitting it now hitting it hitting it the capacity of God God is all amen He's omni, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. God is all. He has all power and he has uh, all capabilities. So God is all. And last but not least, we talked about the sovereignty of God. God rules. Amen. Because anybody that is eternal and, and immutable and infinite and active and, and pure and has all capacity and is self-existent and self-sufficient and, and all of those things has to be the one that rules. Amen. God is sovereign. And we talked about the fact that you have to accept the sovereignty of God. That's one of the things you have to acknowledge the sovereignty of God, accept your limitations. Amen. Around the fact that you're not sovereign. Amen. And then you have to allow space for God to be God. Ooh, what a lesson to learn. Acknowledge the sovereignty of God. Accept the limitations that you have. Amen. In terms of your humanity, you're not God. We're not God. He is. And then you have to allow space for God to be God. And so that was a summary of the greatness of God that we've gone over these last eight or nine weeks. I'm not sure how long it's been. But in the greatness of God, we would be looking at a passage like Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. And in that... Uh, Jesus is, is, is talking to his disciples and he's allowing other folks to, to listen in. Uh, but but, but he, he, really, he really is talking about the fact that he says, I say unto you, be not afraid of them that kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will warn you, warn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he is cast, uh, hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Amen. Fear him. God is saying, uh, Jesus is saying there is a God that, that exists that you need to be in relationship with. You need to, to understand his awesomeness. You need to be able to fear him. And what he's talking about essentially is you fear him because of his greatness. But then he goes on and he says to them, are not five Pharaoh sold for two farthings and not one of them is forgotten before God but even the very hairs on your head are numbered so fear not therefore ye are more valuable than many 
sparrows. What is he saying? He literally said, fear God. Amen. Fear him for his greatness. And then he comes right behind and says, don't be afraid of God. Amen. Why? Because of his goodness. Fear him for his greatness. Acknowledge his, his awesomeness and his sovereignty. But there is a combination here that matters to you in terms of relationship that you and I have with God. It's greatness of God, but then there is the goodness of God. The greatness of God we fear. The goodness of God we embrace. He tells us, don't be afraid. Why? Because he's He's good. He's good, and his mercy endureth forever. O oh Lord, how Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hath thou ordained strength. Uh, uh, that thou mightest, uh, because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visiteth him. What is man that thou art mindful of him? It begs the question, what, why would this great and awesome God with all of these attributes, with all of this power who rules and who's sovereign with all of this capability and complexity, why or oh why would he care about man? And it's a simple, simple answer because the God we're talking about is good. <laughs> it's an attribute of God as well, as much as it is holiness, as much as it is righteousness or infinity or, or, or the complexity of God or his ability, all of those things. Goodness is as much an attribute of God as all the others. As a matter of fact, A.W. Tozer in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, says it this way. The goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of good toward men. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. He takes what kind of pleasure though? <laughs> holy pleasure. Come on now. He takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. God is a good God. Yes, he is. God is a good God, and this good God wants you to have a good time. Amen? Don't think that God does not want you to have a good time. God is the God. He's, he's the God like, the, like parents are on, on Christmas. If you... If, parents love to see kids open presents on Christmas. It's they spend all the, the, the money and the things or whatever. But if you if you know that you have gotten them, particularly what they asked for or what they really wanted or what they've been longing for. And you usually will roll out the presents. You roll them out. They're just one at a time open. And you say, open that one and open that. And then their smiles get bigger and bigger. And then you save that one thing that they really wanted for last. Maybe it's a bike. Maybe it's the PS5. Whatever it is, you roll it out. You bring it out last. And you are looking 
to literally blow their mind with that last present. And all you want is to see a smile on their face because you know how to give good gifts. And you say, if, I've, if, I, can, if I can put a smile on their face and let them know how much I love them, maybe they'll behave. No, no, some stuff. Amen. But like a parent giving gifts, that, that satisfaction, I'm telling you, God in his holy pleasure looks to make you feel good and to see you happy. Matter of fact, Matthew 7, 9 through 11 says it this way. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Of, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is a good God. Yes, he is. And what I love about this good God, let me tell you a couple of things about him and his goodness. Just as a reminder to you and to me is this goodness of God. God is what I would describe as implicitly good. Amen. He is implicitly good. That means the goodness resides in him. He doesn't have to run out and get it. He does not have to wait for it to arrive via Amazon when he's running low on it. He is implicitly good. Psalms 143 and 10 says, teach me to do thy will for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of brightness. You can lead me. Why? Y'all are not with me. Th thy spirit is good. Come on now. Let, let, let's go to let's go to the mountaintop. Let's let's go where Moses is having a conversation with God in Exodus chapter 33. And they and they're getting along pretty good. And God has told him, I'm gonna go with you, and you're gonna be able to conquer the land. And then and then uh, Moses says, Now he's feeling good, but show me your glory. We're getting along pretty well here. I'm going to ask for the big ass. Show me your glory. He says, yeah, yeah. But I, he says, I, I can't do that because we are getting along so well here. And, and I do like you. If I showed you my glory, I'd make your head pop straight off your body. And I am in the head popping business, but 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 not with those that I love, not with those that I'm in relationship with. He says, I, I can't show you my glory. The Lord said, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken for thou hast found grace in my sight. And I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech you that, that Moses says, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all of my goodness pass before thee and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy he said listen as a almost as a as a substitute for something that you could you, you can wrap your head around something that you could that you could uh, digest I can't show you my glory but I will let my goodness pass in front of you I will hide you in the cleft of the rock and I will show you my back not my front 
thought anthropomorphically and I will show you that but all of my goodness will pass and when my goodness passes I will also proclaim my name the Lord the Lord the Lord the Lord that will be I will let my goodness pass and I will proclaim my name I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy he is implicitly good He says, Moses, that's just going to have to do. And I'm sure Moses said, word. Okay. I got it. He already came back down, face glowing, got the cover up. He was like, damn, Moses, where you been? You been? I've been with God. I don't know what you want me to do. I didn't ask for my face to be glowing. Like I didn't ask to have to wear a veil in public when I talked to you because I've been with him. And his glory and his goodness are resting on me. Oh, so come on, somebody. That's the Lord said, I, I, I'll just let it pass. I'll just show you the, a glimpse of it while I hide you in the cleft of the rock. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Not that verse is giving us a, a, a indication, not just that he's implicitly good. It's letting us know he's also immutably good. Amen. Again, you see how these these attributes of God kind of work in concert because he is immutable and he's good. Guess what? He's immutably good. Amen. That means that God will never be kind never be more good than he is right now nor has he ever been less kind or more kind God is perfection in goodness and goodness in perfection he is the same God yesterday today and forever that's why you can say for the Lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth for just this generation no for all generations oh taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. That is an offer that is extended by God to everybody at every time. You can make that offer today and say, oh, taste and see. And what you'll say is that the Lord is good. Let's make that offer two weeks from now. I guarantee you, if we're still here and God tarries and we got breath in our body, we'll be able to say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Fifty years ago when saints gathered someplace in Chicago Heights at churches all over that city, at, at some point, some Somebody said, Psalms 34 and 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. A hundred years ago and 150 years ago and a thousand years ago and 2,000 years ago. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Why? Because he's immutably good. And that offer always resonates no matter when you make it because he does not change. And that's why Psalms 52 and 1 says, the goodness of God endureth continually. He's implicitly good. He's immutably good. And beloved, he's immeasurably good. <laughs> In Exodus 34, in that same passage when he's on the mount. With Moses, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. 
this is what the Lord decided to proclaim about himself as he revealed his goodness to Moses, as he revealed what he could to help him process who he is. He declared, these are his words. He said, I'm the one who is the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. He is so good that even when you're not good, he's still good. While we were, they're the saints. I felt that, I felt that in this, I felt that right here in this side here. You see how that, that, that clenched up like that? So, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Amen. He was good to us even before we were good to ourselves. Even before we responded in relationship to him, God had demonstrated his love. He demonstrated his goodness towards us. Why? Because in Matthew 5 and 45, it reminds us that you may be children of your father who is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. And when it rains like it did last night, if you're righteous and, and have the righteousness of Christ and in relationship with him, your grass got wet last night. And if your neighbor is not in relationship and he is pursuing his own agenda away from God in selfishness and he does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, his grass is just as wet this morning as yours is. Because he makes the rain fall down on the just and the unjust and he lets the sun shine shine on the righteous and the unrighteous, the good and those that aren't about the business of trying to be good because God is immeasurably good. He is what? Immeasurably good. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? What passage am I in? I'm in Matthew 6. You know, that's, a, that's the passage that culminates with, uh, you, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And it says, don't worry about tomorrow. A sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof again. But it really flows in context and, and it builds because the, the author is making a case uh, for the for the goodness of God, he's saying, "Look, if he if he clothes the birds of the air, if he he feeds uh, and and, it, and they don't sow a reap, and how is it if, if that God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith?" He's saying he's so good that he is involved with his creation. He keeps up with it. He cares. He's involved. He cares and he's involved. Why? Because he's good. He can't help but keep up with what he's created. He can't help but to care. That's why he would say when, when he was talking to Jonah, he said, I got much people in that city and many animals. I got a lot of stuff that I've created and I care about it. Why? Because I'm good. It's my nature. 
and I am immeasurably good and you don't need to worry about tomorrow. Why? Because God has provided for tomorrow. Why? Because God is good. That's why he's involved. That's why he cares. You can rest assured that God sees you and will move on your behalf and give you all that you need, not all in terms of your greed, but all in terms of your need. Why? Because he cares for you. And why does God care for you? Because he's good. He's, he's good. Now, <laughs> we haven't even hit Psalms 103 yet, but we're going to hit it. And God is good. And guess what else is good? Psalm 103. It's good. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just excited. Because y'all don't, y'all know what y'all don't know. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm here. To help you to, to know. Because you know, but you don't know. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. And verse 2 of Psalms 103 is the middle verse of the Bible, meaning there are 15,550 verses before this verse, and there are 15,550 verses after this verse. This is the middle verse in the Bible, and this middle verse says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I just throw that out there just to let you know that, you know, that's just a, what it would say. There's a, that's a curious fact, but I, I find it not just factual, but interesting that the middle verse of the Bible, if you open it up and tell me, say, where's the, where, 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 where's, where, where's the middle? It would be a reminder that you need to bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why would you ever be in a place where you would forget God's benefits? You and I get to that place because of circumstance. And when we get into circumstances where we are challenged in our lives, we'll forget that we have a God that's good. God's goodness is not on trial based upon what he does or does not do for you. He is immutably good, he is implicitly good, and he is immeasurably good. That's just a fact. And now you might, with your head down, say, I don't really feel the goodness of God in my life because I am trying to solve for a particular challenge, a particular circumstances, and I need God to be good to me about this right now. You are violating the sovereignty of God. You are not acknowledging his sovereignty. You are not, you, you are not uh, uh, understanding your limitations, and you are not allowing God to be God if you try to put his goodness on trial if he does something for you. He's only good if I get this job. 
I've been unemployed for three weeks, and, and, I've, under, and, and I've sent out a, a dozen resumes, and God is good when I get the job, but if God, if I don't get this job, he just can't be good. You won't say it like that. You, 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 you're slick with yours. You just won't acknowledge his goodness until he does what you want done. And that is not how you're supposed to get down with the God I'm talking about. God is good and he's immeasurably good and he's immutably good and he is, and he is implicitly good regardless of what he does in your situation. But sometimes you can get down and you can say I got a, a serious issue in terms of the relationship I have with my spouse. I've got a relationship issue with my children. I've got a. I've got more month than money. I've, I've. I've. I've got some issues with my car. I've got some issues with my health and my strength. And I need God to be good. And you can. You can get to a place where you'll forget. And that's when you got to open your Bible. You go to Psalms 103 and you say, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all." his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities God is good God will forgive you more than anything else that you need. And you may not even realize you need this more than anything else. You need to access the forgiveness of God. The only way you can access the forgiveness of God initially is to make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ based upon the, the work of salvation at the cross of Calvary where he paid for sins. Therefore, because he paid for sins, he can forgive your sins and cleanse you and he can give you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's holy and he's always solving for his holiness. And he says, I want to be in relationship with them. So I've got to provide a way for them to be in relationship with me and if they would simply believe and receive I'll put them in a place where I could be in relationship with him with them and I will forgive them and I'm not just talking about time I'm talking about eternity more than anything else you need in your life you need to access the forgiveness of God that don't have anything to do with whether you get that job next week that doesn't have anything to do with, with, with whether your child graduates on time that has nothing to do with if you submit your vacation schedule at work and it's accepted or not God is good and God is providing the thing that you need more than anything whether you realize it or not he has forgiven you if you're in relationship for him, with him and if you're not in relationship with him he has provided the way already for you to be forgiven if you would just believe and receive I'm talking about a good God God will forgive you. Who redeemeth thy life from, no, excuse me, who healeth all thy diseases? God won't just forgive you, beloved. God will fix you. Who healeth all thine diseases? The biggest disease that you have is a sin sick soul. <laughs> And he'll fix that. 
but he'll also in his mercy and in his grace and in his sovereign will he will touch lives because he's still in the healing business he's still in the de delivery business because of the capacity of God he has the power to heal the power to save the power to deliver the power to change the power to remove the power to add the power to subtract the power to multiply God has all power he's omnipotent and so he can move in all of these situations and you have to know you're serving a God that can fix you not only can he fix you he will fix you amen he's done that again in terms of your sin sick soul but he will also in in many areas of your life there's so many testimonies that we'll have among the saints where you've gone to the doctor and you've looked and they said I don't know what happened to the tumor I don't know what happened it appears that this is in remission I know we gave you two weeks to live or six weeks to live or, or ten weeks to live and now it's been five years and we don't know what happened to this and happened to that I know what happened to it you got a good God who said I will step up and I will not only forgive you I'll fix you redeemeth thy life from destruction I'll forgive you I'll fix you but I'll free you too I'll free you I'll redeem your life from destruction I will free you and whom the son <laughs> has set free is free indeed for as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He frees us from death. He frees us from the power of the enemy. He frees us from the fear of death, and fear always leads to slavery. You are enslaved by what you fear. He says, I'm going to free you from the fear of death. I'm going to tell you that you don't have, you need to fear me and me alone. And then I'm going to double up and say, but you don't have to be afraid because it's a, it's a combination of my greatness and goodness. And in my goodness, I seek to be in relationship with you. And when you're in relationship with God, he will free you. And the best thing he'll free you from is he'll free you from yourself. He'll free you. And he'll change you from a slave of sin into a slave of righteousness. Free to flee, free to follow, free to fellowship, but free to be who you're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. And, and, and they're, just, they're just two more. He said, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now, I, 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 I was preparing this and going over this yesterday, and I had to stop, and I had to walk around. I could not continue when I realized God favors me. God favors me. God shows me his favor. And as my brother Tim Cross would tell you, favor 
ain't fair. I, I, I don't deserve the favor of God that I, that I receive, but somehow he just keeps on handing out blessings. And the reason he hands out blessings is he's good. Amen. The reason you still got another gift and another gift to open and another gift is because he says, I will pile it up. I'll crown thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. I'll let you know how much I love you by how we interact and I will favor you. There'll be times in your life that the only reason that you advance, the only reason that you move forward, the only reason that you receive it's because you're in relationship with him and you'll be able to say, God favors me. I almost couldn't even, God favors you. You are raggedy behind, he favors you in relationship with you and when you're in relationship with him, you get access to the favor of God. And then last but not least, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things he'll forgive you he'll he'll fix you he'll he'll free you he'll favor you and like a shepherd he'll feed you he'll feed you he'll lead you besides the still waters and then he will feed you what you need he'll lead and feed why because he's good you don't know what you need to eat you don't know what you what you need to have but God says if you will just take from me what I have and then you will just eat what I give you I will feed you I will clothe you I will give you everything you need to have the kind of life that you need to have what kind of life an abundant life what kind of life? A good life. Amen. And he says, I'm good and I want to do good things for you. I want you to be happy. I want you to be free. I want to, I want to forgive you and I want to fix you. I want to free you. I want to favor you and I want to, and I want to feed you so that your youth will be renewed like the eagles. That means that that God will fill you. Amen. So that your youth will be renewed like an eagles. God is the God that fathers you. That's what a father should do. Amen. I know it's a week behind Father's Day, but if you want to see what a father should be doing directionally, what a father should be attempting to do in the lives of his children, if God will father you, he'll forgive you and he'll fix you and free you and favor you and feed you so that he will fill you. Amen. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that is good and his goodness endureth how long? forever. Why? Because he's immutably good. Why? Because he's immeasurably good. Why? Because he's implicitly good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endureth for just a few weeks. His mercy endureth for just a few months. Now, his mercy endureth forever. And that's why in John 14 and 9, you reminded that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what example of goodness do we have in Jesus Christ? 
because he was moved to heal. Amen. He was moved to minister. He was moved to feed. He was moved to deliver. He was moved to revive those that were dead. He was he 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 was moved to shepherd the sick and, and the poor, the hungry, the needy, the helpless. Jesus did what he did because he is connected to the Father. And he's good. And that's why he went around and he was moved with compassion and he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he shepherded and he healed. He did all of those things. He says, I'll forgive you. I'll fix you. I'll free you. I'll favor you. I'll feed you. I'll fill you. I'll father you because that's who I am. And I am good. 